It says, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which men's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things. Yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of of Christ. And Father, we just ask this morning as we continue now in our worship together as your family, as we've sang and prayed and fellowship, Lord, as an act of worship, we want our time in the Word of God just as much to be an endeavor of worship towards you as we submit our heart and soul and mind and spirit to the truth of your Word and the voice of your Spirit. So please prepare each one of us accordingly, Lord. And as always, we pray that we wouldn't hear wise or persuasive words of a man in this hour, but we want to experience a demonstration of your spirit and power, just speaking to us things from the spirit of God through the word of God. And we ask you to speak to us now in Jesus' name. And everyone outside and inside said, amen, amen. You may be seated. You know, everybody needs some guidance in their life from time to time. And the important thing to recognize in light of that is who or what are you allowing to provide guidance in your life from? Where is that guidance coming from? Who we receive guidance from obviously determines the way that we think. It directly affects usually the decisions that we make and a great deal of how we actually act. And there is no better person to guide our lives than obviously the very God who created us and who made us and knows us better than anyone else. And he desires to guide our lives, of course, into what is best, not only to please him, but honestly, what is actually best for us as well as a loving father. Yet we have to be in right relationship with God if we're going to be able to receive guidance from him. And that's what our text is going to address this morning. Remember the background in chapter 2, Paul has been speaking about how we need desperately the supernatural revelation from the Holy Spirit to be able to not only come to know God, but also to understand things about God, to be able to recognize the ways of God. And though we may seek understanding to a degree humanly, human intellect and logic alone is never fully sufficient when it comes to God and to spiritual things. It's necessary also that God himself, by a divine act of his power, would give us further understanding. Certainly our intellect has a purpose and God can use our mind and our natural capacities, but those things are never sufficient in and of themselves. And that's what Paul's been talking about to us here in chapter two, that we need God's spirit to reveal things to us in order to be able to see spiritual things, to grasp and receive spiritual truths. Remember he said in verse 11 in our last study together, what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him. In other words, using an illustration, he says, nobody can completely know what's going on or everything about another person unless that person chooses to reveal those things to them. 
I can't fully see your thoughts or know your feelings or, or understand everything about you unless you reveal to me those things. It's necessary that I reveal to myself to others what is fully true of everything about myself. And he says, well, look, in the same way, how much more is that true of God who's much deeper and greater? He says, verse 11, even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. In other words, it is crucial for God to reveal himself to us. Uh, the only way we can fully come to know God to the degrees he wants us to is if God himself gives us a revelation of himself. It's necessary there be a spiritual revelation that God show us things. And so we have to have an encounter, therefore, with the Lord Jesus Christ as we receive him by faith as Savior and Lord. We then receive what God imparts to us as a gift in that process of the impartation of the very spirit of God himself so that God from an inward way may reveal himself to us. And this is what Paul goes on now to speak about in verse 12. Notice he says we need God to reveal himself to us. Now he says we have received verse 12, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. So Paul here in verse 12 is speaking about the experience of the Christian who's embraced Christ in faith. And as a result of that, he says, we have now, as the result of receiving Christ as Savior and Lord, we also have now received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. Again, the Bible teaches that the moment that we exercise our faith, to receive Jesus Christ as our Savior for our sin and allow him to become the Lord over our life, a spiritual experience happens. Not just a religious activity, but a truly spiritual conversion takes place within our soul, whereas we receive the Lord Jesus Christ inwardly, a conversion happens and we receive, the Bible says, all that God has promised to us in light of that, that is forgiveness of sin the gift of eternal life. And even what we're going to talk about here, we also receive the inward nature of the, the divine God himself as he imparts to us his very spirit to come live inside of us. Now, it is that latter thing Paul focuses on in this section that is our inner experience of the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us, actually residing within us. He's informing the Christian, notice, of what we have not received and what we also have received. He first mentions in verse 12, what we've not received. We've not received, he says, the spirit. The idea is the guiding influence, he says there, verse 12, of this world, that is, of this world system. That is the mindset of how people in the world think that don't know God the ideologies of those who don't care about following God, those who are not in a relationship with God, they have ideologies. They have a mindset about things. They carry certain views. And there is an influence that pervades the world system. In fact, Jesus himself taught that the ruler of this present world system, Jesus said, is actually the devil. First John chapter 5 tells us the whole world lies under the sway of, of the wicked one. That word sway means the persuading influence. So the Bible teaches that this whole world system that's operating among us, that we live in on this earth, it is actually being persuaded by an influence that is actually of the devil himself. 
the ruler of this present age, the Bible teaches. If you could, the devil is kind of the unseen puppeteer behind the scenes who is guiding much of what's happening in the way of thinking that takes place in this world. The devil is the unseen puppeteer who is manipulating mankind, directing their thinking, guiding the way that people have views about things, what culture does and doesn't do in the affairs of those who don't know God. In fact, Ephesians 2 speaks of how before we became a Christian and we were then set free to live a different way and follow the Lord Jesus Christ, that we were governed by this unseen current in worldly patterns. It says in Ephesians 2, regarding your past life before you followed Christ, you used to live in a way where you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, that is the powers of the unseen world and the devil and his demons, the spirit who's now at work in those who are disobedient. So Paul's saying, look, we spent enough of our past lifetime being directed by the wrong guidance system, worldly thinking. We should no longer allow ourselves as Christians to be guided by worldly human reasoning. And the reason, Paul's going to say, is because we've received a far superior navigation system. That's the way we once navigated the world and thought about things and came to conclusions. And we just kind of, as the wind blowed, whatever way the culture and the current went, we just kind of went along with the culture and the current. That's what happens in the world system. But he's saying you've received a far better compass now, a divine compass right within you, a far superior navigating system. He says what we've received, verse 12, look what he says, we've received the spirit who is from God. Again, that is when a person exercises faith to receive Jesus as Savior and Lord, God, the Bible says, imparts his Holy Spirit as a gift to come dwell inside of us and to remain with us to help us. In John 14, when Jesus was about to die on the cross and rise again, he was speaking about how he was going to leave the disciples. He'd been with them for three and a half years. He took care of everything for them. He taught them and helped them and guided them and explained to them things about God's kingdom. And now he was saying he was going to leave, and they were greatly concerned. And Jesus encouraged them by saying to them, look, though I'm going to ascend back into heaven from where I came, I'm not going to leave you all alone without any spiritual assistance. He then promised them saying this, I will ask the father, Jesus said, John 14, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. He would never leave them. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you, and he will be in you. So Jesus promised that though he would be returning to the right hand of the Father and no longer be with them as God in the flesh, that even greater, now God by his Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, would dwell not only with, but inside of every New Testament believer. That God would take up residence. Again, Christ lives inside of each believer by the person of the Spirit. So when we receive Jesus Christ, we also receive the impartation of the very Spirit of God into our lives. Romans 8 repeatedly states as a fact to the believer that the Spirit of God dwells with you, that he's within you. It's a part of the salvation experience. And there are many purposes the Holy Spirit remains dwelling inside of us for to be our internal helper. There are numerous reasons, but one of the main ministries of the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, which is this is going to focus on, is to assist us with internal guidance 
how to live for God and to be directed by God from within. Notice he says, verse 12, we've received the spirit who is from God that, that's a reason word, here's the reason, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Again, through our unification with Jesus relationally, many spiritual blessings, many spiritual privileges, much spiritual power, all these things have been imparted into our lives as the result of the receiving of Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Gifts of God's grace have been given to us freely. Things have been distributed to us for our benefit, many privileges and power to be partaken of and utilized. Second Peter 1 says that God's divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which we've been given exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may become partakers of the divine nature. And see, God wants us to be aware of all he's made available to us spiritually so that we can actually utilize all of the wonderful resources and spiritual promises and the power and all that God has supplied to us. Again, that's important. If somebody deposited into your bank account last evening $4.5 million and you never checked your bank account and you refused to become aware of the fact that you had $4.5 million in your bank account, you would probably live at a lower standard and struggle more than what you really needed to because you didn't realize, I have all those resources at my disposal That's all available to me. Well, the same thing. Many Christians live spiritually bankrupt because they never truly come to understand through the word of God and the spirit of God, all the divine resources that God has supplied to us as Christians to be able to live effective and fruitful Christian lives. And it's the Holy Spirit who helps guide us, Paul says, to understand and know what's been freely given to us by God through his guidance and instruction. He wants us to know everything that's been given to us. Jesus said he would do this in John 14, excuse me, John 16. Jesus said he would be our helper, the spirit of truth, who when he comes will guide you into all truth. He will glorify me, Jesus said, because it says he will receive what he has from me and make it known to you. Again, this is the ministry of the Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth and to make known to us things about Christ to reveal more about Jesus as our Lord and Savior, to give us spiritual enlightenment so that we can actually see all that God supplied for us. Understand, God wants you and I to know and to experience everything that he's offered to us in our spiritual life so that we can live fruitful Christian lives, so that we can live overcoming, victorious Christian lives, so that we can serve God faithfully and experience all that he wants for us in our relationship with him. Paul goes on, verse 13, to say, In these things we also speak, not in words which men's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. So notice Paul indicates here in verse 13 that his teaching, both in when he spoke, teaching the word of God, as well as in his letters that he wrote out that have become New Testament scripture, he says, my teaching was not stemming from my own human ideas. I wasn't sitting around collaborating with a council saying, what do you think would be really interesting 
to write or, 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 you know, what do you think I should say? I mean, let's take a survey. What, what's really the, the happening thing that people want to hear now because, you know, we want to make sure we convey things to, to keep people interested and engaged and kind of, you know, meet the, the desires that people. Paul says, no, 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 that's not what we were doing at all. We weren't conveying to you human ideas or wisdom from men. He says, instead, we were speaking to you as just a vessel of the Spirit of God, seeking to receive direction from God's Spirit and just to say to you what God wanted said. Paul's going to later say in this same book, 1 Corinthians 11, that which we've received from the Lord, we've delivered to you. Paul said, we're just delivery people. We're just like the waiter or the waitress in the restaurant who picks up the food from the cook and does everything they can to keep their finger out of the meal and safely deliver it to the table so somebody can be nourished by it. And Paul says, this is what we were. We just received from the Lord and delivered you. Paul's saying, when we spoke, we were simply sharing what the Holy Spirit taught us to say to you. It really wasn't us, Paul says, instructing you. We were just trying to pass along instruction from the spirit no doubt paul remembered jesus's promise from john 14 26 where jesus said the helper of the holy spirit whom the father will send in my name he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance that which i've said to you so paul said look we're not trying to act hyper spiritual here we just believe jesus's promise that the holy spirit is the teacher and that we are just vessels and the holy spirit is just saying to you through us what he wants you to hear or to be taught or to be able to hear God's voice saying. Notice he says, verse 13, helping us to compare spiritual things with spiritual. So again, we see part of the ministry of the spirit there, helping us to make connections between spiritual truths, comparing what's spiritual with what's spiritual and how it aligns. In other words, the idea is that way we can, for example, read through the Old Testament scriptures, which was all they had at that time, and to compare spiritual with spiritual. As they read through the Old Testament scriptures, it was the Holy Spirit who would help them be able to see and recognize things about Christ in the Old Testament. And wow, look at that. That feast, that kind of speaks of who Jesus is and what Jesus did. And as they would read through the prophets and the law, they would begin to see how it referred to the Lord Jesus. They'd begin to recognize how one passage of scripture kind of supports another passage of scripture and gives further illumination and greater clarity. How one text kind of supports a further text and how spiritual truths work in cooperation to further our spiritual understanding. And he says, this is one of the glorious things the Holy Spirit does. He helps us compare spiritual things with spiritual things. He's that internal instructor regarding that which is spiritual. And look, one of the greatest ways to come into understanding spiritually is through what the Holy Spirit has actually recorded, the Word of God, which has been given to us by the Holy Spirit. And folks, look, don't ever miss this marvel. The Holy Spirit inspired and breathed out this book, and the very author of this book, the Holy Spirit, now dwells inside of you as a child of God. Now, that's pretty marvelous to help us understand what the word of God means. I mean, think about it. Any other book that has a, a human author, you know, a novel or anything else, if you read a book, you could say, I'm not sure what he really means there in paragraph three of, you know, page uh, 27 there. And so what you could do is maybe you talk to someone else who's read the same book. Hey, you read the same book, right? Yeah. What do you think the author means there on paragraph three on page 27? Well, here's what I think. I mean, this is what I think. That may help. 
right? But imagine if you could actually speak directly to the author themselves. Call up the author and say, hey, when you wrote that in paragraph three on page 27, what did you mean? You wrote it. To talk to the author directly. Well, look, the very author of the word of God, the spirit of God, dwells inside of every Christian. What a wonderful encouragement to be able to give us clarity and understanding to illuminate truths of the scripture. The very author of the Bible himself lives within you. And that's why we can't just read the word of God intellectually alone. We have to pray and be dependent upon spiritual guidance from the spirit himself who illuminates the scripture and gives us greater clarity and understanding. What a blessed gift we have as Christians. Paul then in contrast says, verse 14, but the natural man does not receive the things of the spirit of God for they are foolishness to him nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Paul reveals here in verse 14, it's the absence of the indwelling Holy Spirit from the unsaved person, the one who's not a Christian yet, that actually hinders their ability to understand spiritual truths. That's what he means in verse 14 when he uses the statement there, the natural man. That's a reference to the person who's, listen, alive physically, but they're still dead spiritually. They have physical life, natural life, but they don't yet possess spiritual life because though they're alive physically, the Lord is not a part of their life. So therefore, biblically, they don't have the indwelling Holy Spirit that the spiritual man or the spiritual person does. So therefore, the natural person, the unconverted soul is still operating according to their fallen human nature alone, which means they're limited. They only have the five, if you would, natural senses of sight and touch and hearing and smell and taste to utilize to try and understand things in this natural world. And those five, if you would, natural senses only work for understanding things in the natural. They're deficient to understand what's supernatural or what's spiritual. Such faculties are not sufficient to sense and see what is spiritual. And the result is the natural man lacking the Holy Spirit has no receptivity to spiritual things. They don't have a, a sense of spiritual truths. That's why Paul says here, therefore they don't and they won't receive the things of the spirit of God. That's why they won't receive the message of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ who died on the cross and rose again. That's why they often won't receive truths about the Lord or spiritual realities. It's why they won't embrace concepts of God's word. They'll say that and they won't receive it because they just can't see in their natural limitation why God is right and man is wrong. That's why they're not open to spiritual experiences. It's why they lack an interest in worship because they're still in that natural condition. And so as the result of that, all the things that are spiritual appear kind of just as foolishness to their human reasoning. It just appears bizarre and it, it doesn't make sense to their logic. In fact, they can't come to know such things. The Bible says here in verse 14, notice he says at the end of the verse, because they're spiritually discerned. That is, it requires the aiding capacity of the Holy Spirit to be able to receive things that are spiritual. We need that help from the Holy Spirit. If I could illustrate, it's kind of like trying to ask, let's say, a blind person to appreciate a beautiful sunset, right? They don't have the faculties to be able to appreciate that. Or it's like trying to ask a person who is deaf 
to be able to appreciate the beautiful sound of someone's singing voice. They lack the faculties necessary to do that. Well, the same idea with the unsafe person. They lack the spiritual faculties, if you would, to be able to see spiritual things. They lack the spiritual faculties to be able to understand and hear the things of God. The believer sees with the lights on, the unbeliever dwells in darkness. Look, that explains something. That's why, folks, people will reject the gospel at times when you share it with them. And you're thinking, man, I did a really good job that time. I mean, I, I, even, I even quoted a Bible verse or two. This person is going to be begging me to get saved. And then they, ah, no, nah, I, I don't know if I believe that, or I don't know if I want that right now. And you're thinking, I don't under, well, right, because in the natural condition, they're not able to receive the things of the Spirit. That's why you don't just preach the gospel, you got to pray too. You got to pray for illumination from the Spirit to happen. You got to pray that an experience of the Holy Spirit happens where the Holy Spirit invades and opens up their eyes and ears to actually hear and receive what's spiritual. We have to pray and share. And I'll tell you, if all you do is share, 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 or preach, 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 or counsel, 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 whether it's with your kids, your friends, your unsafe friends, and you never pray, you're going to be very frustrated because there needs to be a divine experience that happens where the Holy Spirit brings a receptivity to spiritual things. That's why unsafe people can't understand why you believe what you believe or why you do what you do. Have you ever had an unsaved friend or family member look at the way you live maybe by faith or how you kind of serve the Lord? And like, what does that matter with you? I remember when we were uh, turning the church over at Calvary Chapel, York there, where we had been for 13 years and we were, you know, uprooting, starting all over and moving here to, to come and to plant a church. And one of our family members, who's not a believer, as we were trying to explain what we were doing, he's like, what, you got a job there? No. Are they providing a house there? No. Paycheck? No. You're going to uproot your kids? Yeah. You take this Jesus thing a little too seriously. I mean, that's just irresponsible. That's utter foolishness. What? But again, they don't understand what it means to follow the call of God or live by faith. So it's an understandable thing because of the condition that they're in. They can't receive the things of the Spirit. They can't appreciate Bible truths. You know, you're all excited. You try and tell your friend at work, oh, I read this thing in the Bible. Let me tell you. And, and they're like, oh, you're weird. Because they don't grasp it. It doesn't make sense to them. It also reminds us, too, that the path to spiritual understanding and truths of God's Word and even knowing God's will is not just human academia. You can't just do it all with your intellect. You got to seek God and ask for the Holy Spirit's help. Paul says, verse 15, but he now in contrast, who is spiritual, notice he says, judges all things. That is a spiritual person is able to evaluate matters and make spiritual judgments because they have the capacity of being guided by the Holy Spirit. He says in contrast, verse 15, to the natural man, he who is spiritual, a reference to the believer whose life is guided by the Holy Spirit, the person living under the influence of the Spirit, they can make accurate evaluations on what's moral and spiritual because of the help of the Holy Spirit. Remember, Jesus called the Holy Spirit the Spirit of truth. That's what Jesus called him, the Spirit of truth. See, because the Holy Spirit lives inside of the child of God, he can help us from within, listen, to know the difference between truth and error, to detect truth and to be able to discern error. Because of his internal help, 
We can consider things and make proper judgments on the things of God. We're able by the spirit of truth to recognize what's genuinely of God and maybe what's not of God. Maybe what even may just be of the devil or just of our flesh or our feelings or emotions. We can discern that by the spirit's help. We're able to discern the difference between sound doctrine, which is true, and false doctrine or unhealthy doctrine, which is in error. When faced with situations, we're able to make spiritual judgments in line with God's will because we sense what God's heart is because the spirit of truth says this is truly, Tony, what God is leading you to do. This is what the spirit of truth does for us. He helps us in that internal navigation working inside us. So look, as a believer, are you trying to distinguish once in a while, like I am, between what's right and wrong? between what is true and what is false. Maybe in a situation you're trying to seek what you should do. Well, look, you got to seek God's guidance. God wants to give you guidance. Don't just rely on human reasoning alone or look at it and size it up with the, the eyes. Well, it looks good on paper. It may look good on paper, but from God's perspective, it may be a really bad idea. Last I checked, the Bible says twice in Proverbs, and God doesn't repeat himself unnecessarily, there's a way that seems right to a man but the end is the way of death. So we want to seek the spirit of God and the spirit of truth to guide us through the word of God and its truths that the Holy Spirit may speak and direct our lives. Now, regarding the spiritual man and how he lives, different from the worldly person, Paul says, yet the spiritual person, verse 15, is rightly judged by no one. And the idea here is, he's saying as the spiritual man makes judgments, and can come to accurate conclusions because the Holy Spirit is guiding them, the spiritual person typically is not rightly judged by any human being on this earth because oftentimes the natural people who aren't saved look at the way of operating in a child of God, and because it doesn't make sense to them, they misjudge God's people. And they misjudge what it means to live by faith or follow the Spirit and be led by the Lord because that the natural mind, it seems illogical and doesn't make sense. But what we have to remember as God's children is their judgment system is faulty. If they don't have the spirit of God directing their life, they lack the ability to understand what God's ways are and what God is doing. And so therefore, their reference point is off target. And that's why people who are unsaved at times may mock what God's people do. That's why they may criticize how Christians operate or function. The important thing as the follower of Jesus is to know this. We don't look to the world for their approval system of how we live our lives. We look to God. We don't look to the world for their approval system of how we raise our kids. We look to God. We don't look to the world to tell us, should we make this decision or that decision? What's everybody else doing? No, no. Their judgment system is faulty. And maybe recently you've been trying to walk by faith or follow genuinely the Holy Spirit's leading, and you've been getting criticized from unsaved people around you. Can I encourage you? Don't listen to that noise. You follow the Lord. You follow the Spirit of truth and let him guide you and trust that sometimes the judgment system of those around you, if they don't know the Lord, can be completely off. And don't let it deter you from following what God may be leading you to do if it's truly the spirit of the Lord. Well, Paul says, verse 16, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? 
So he quotes here to illustrate what he's talking about, a principle from Isaiah chapter 40, focusing on the greatness of God and his incredible wisdom and how God knows the beginning from the end. He sees what's coming down the road. So therefore, he says, no weak and mortal man can fully know everything that's in the mind of the Lord, as if somehow man can be just as smart or even maybe smarter than God to where we can actually start instructing God. That somehow we're smarter than God and God's ideas and God's ways. He says, what human being truly, as he quotes Isaiah 40 there, has known the mind of the Lord to be able to instruct God. Again, if I can emphasize, the majority of human living is misguided by confused weakness in human reasoning. I mean, just look around the culture, folks. God's word to most people is not the right way to do things. The human reasoning and the ideas of culture has led the world to live according to their own moral ideas, their own feelings, their own thoughts. And if you haven't noticed, take a look around the world. It's a mess. Because people think they're smarter than God, sadly. Oh, we don't need God to instruct us. In fact, we can tell God a thing or two. We don't need that archaic book that's been around for centuries that's helped people live good, decent, healthy, moral lives. We don't need that anymore. We're enlightened. We're whatever the new popular words are. We're this. We're woke. We're that. No, you're dumb. I'm sorry to say it. I mean, that's just, there's my honesty for the day. You're thinking you're smarter than God? Smarter than God? Really? You're instructing God now. This is why our world's a mess. Because people are thinking they can outthink God and they're failing to take God into consideration and our world is suffering tremendously for it. It's such a shame. Marriages and families and society. Yet look at the blessing for those of us who know the Lord. He says, but we have, notice the privilege, the mind of Christ. God by his spirit has given to us a spiritual mindset. The Holy Spirit has given to us actually the mindset of Christ. What was the mindset of Christ? He lived according to the will of God as a man. He served the Father. and We now have the mind of the Lord. What does it mean to have the mindset of Christ? Well, the Bible explains it, comparing spiritual with spiritual. Jot in your notes Philippians 2, and let this be our conclusion. Philippians 2 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God, did not consider robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God also highly exalted him and has given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and those on earth, and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He's given us the mind of Christ. What is the mind of Christ? Philippians 2 tells us exactly what it is. The mind of Christ was that Jesus gave up the need to be viewed as important in this world. He was the most important person that ever walked in this world, but he gave up the need to be perceived as important by everybody else around him. Jesus, as a man, embraced a lifestyle of servanthood, not self-serving motives. 
Jesus sought to serve others and always put others first to make others' lives better. Jesus humbled himself, and instead of striving to obtain, what did he do? He was always giving himself away, always giving himself away to help others. Jesus was deeply committed, Philippians 2 tells us, to obedience, to the will of God. So committed was he to the will of God, the Bible says, even to the point of death. Even to the point of death, his mindset was, I don't care how hard it is, I'm willing to die to do the will of God. And the Bible is saying to us this morning, look, we have by the Holy Spirit the mind of Christ. The challenge for me, I don't know about for you, is sometimes I can be a little double-minded. Sometimes the mind of Tony wants to usurp the mind of Christ within. And I have to be reminded and humbled by the Lord, look, stop thinking your way. I want you to have the mindset of Jesus. I want you to live like Jesus lived. May God help us by his spirit this week to reject the mentality of this world and to seek by the Holy Spirit's help and power to live by the mindset of Christ that we might serve our Lord. Let's stand together.